Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Stephen Means here with BFF, Buckeye Football Futures. It's Thursday on the podcast, and it's been a couple days since we recorded one, Stephen. I feel like things were getting a little rowdy earlier this week for people who've been listening to Buckeye Talk all week. I thought some unhinged uh, podcasts earlier this week, I hope people got a kick out of them because I thought they were really fun. And we're not bringing things back to a serious place today because it's recruiting. It's going to be a little bit wild just by its nature but uh, Doug's not here so it'll just be the two of us kind of mixing it up as opposed to introducing that kind of wild card element but uh, you've been out at, at the day camps all week or I should say Tuesday Wednesday recording this Wednesday afternoon and I thought we would just kind of knock through for people who've been getting a text 614-350-3315 you've been giving good updates about pretty much every major prospect that you see out there things that catch your eye that sort of thing we're going to go through – I basically made a list of, the, of 10 guys that you've talked about in the last two days, and I wanted mm-hmm. to ask another question about those guys. Like, So something I didn't see in the text, I'm going to follow up and ask you something else so our readers are getting twice as much intel out of uh, your having been there the last few days. But I wanted to start with something else you brought up right before we got on because it's something people need to have maybe on their at, – at the front of their minds instead of something keeping in the back of their minds with these 2023 guys – we want to talk about Wilfredo Ibar. Tell people who he is and tell people why it might be um, a more urgent topic of conversation around Ohio State football in the near future. So as of right now, officially, he is a 2022 prospect out of Connecticut, uh, the number 163 player in the country, the number nine edge rusher in the country is what they're being classified as right as now. It's no longer weak side defensive end, strong side defensive end, and defensive tackle. It's now defensive lineman or edge rusher. That's how 247 Sports is defining it, which is actually better because basically regardless of if you're in a 3-4 or a 4-3, there's two defensive linemen, two defensive ends on the field. And then the defensive lineman can mean your interior guy, whether you're a three-tech or you're a nose tackle, depending on what your, your uh, front is and what scheme you're in. Well, he's had an offer. He had an offer last spring from Ohio State, and he's been on their radar as a guy to watch in 2022 as a potential defensive line addition. 
and he could be reclassifying in 2021. And he has scheduled some official visits. He was on he was at Boston College, and he's going to USC next week. Well, this weekend now, this the 18th, he'll be at USC. But he was at Ohio State this past weekend for a visit, another late edition, and apparently he really liked what he saw. And so there has been a lot of momentum that is headed towards the Buckeyes' direction. Obviously, JT Tumalau is coming this weekend, and that's the big fish that – to fry in the 2021 class, but there could be just one extra guy added to that as you try to look for some depth on the edge rusher position when you think about the fact that, that you know, Zach Harrison could be a guy who could burst onto the scene this year and end up going off to the NFL draft. Ty- Tyreek Smith is in his fourth year in the program can, and can go off to the NFL draft. You've got Tyler Friday and Javante Jean-Baptiste. I understand the NCAA gave guys an extra year, but that doesn't mean every player is going to want to take advantage of that if they feel like they want to move on with their lives. And so some of this is just Ohio State understanding that there's going to be some some subtractions from the defensive line room, especially defensive end after this season. And you don't want to just be left with the only guaranteed guy that will be on your roster being, you know, Jack Sawyer, as far as guys who can contribute. So look out for Wolfredo Ibar. That's a guy who has quickly built up some Ohio State momentum. And you could see a guy like that pull the trigger sometime in the next couple of weeks here. Now, as far as you know, and again, it's not official, I guess, that he's going to be even a 2021 Mm -hmm. prospect. But as far as you know, does the JT Tumalau decision affect this at all? Are these two completely separate situations? Or is this sort of a only if Tumalau commits elsewhere would Ohio State take Ibar for this class? No, I don't think five stars never matter. Wow, that's a crazy thing to say. Five stars don't matter when you're talking about death. You take a five – if you don't have room for a five-star top five player in the country, you make room for a five-star No, no, no. I mean, I mean it the other way around. Obviously, oh, obviously you mean the other way. Oh, okay. Right. No, no, no. I, I think the conversation with him is the is the recruitment on its own right and adding depth into the room. I don't think JT – whatever decision JT is going to make has any impact on whether Wilfredo decides to come here or not. No. Gotcha. Do you know what the timetable is on, on this decision that he's mulling about? I wouldn't be shocked if in the next couple of weeks we see it. This all as obviously is moving very, very fast. And we've seen that with a couple of recruitments for Ohio State over the last month here. Kai Stokes comes to mind where a guy got offered and it seemed like, okay, well, he got offered. Let's see where things go. And all of a sudden he's committed. Maybe, you know, a guy like Ryan Turner was the same way a little longer, but the idea of the the momentum just suddenly picked up and then he was a commit. Uh, so I, I'm not going to tell you, you might be listening to this, right now on a Thursday, and by then you're also reading cleveland.com, and it says Wilfredo Ibar has come into Ohio State, or it might be, you know, two or three weeks from now. But like I said, this is this has moved very quickly, so I wouldn't be surprised by at the end of July. I'll say that to keep myself safe. He's not a commitment here if he decides to pull the trigger for Ohio State. Gotcha. Well, there are some other defensive line commitments – or, I'm sorry, defensive line prospects on campus this week. I want to talk about them first as we go through – like I said before, we're going to do – 10 prospects, 10 questions. We're gonna, I'm just going to run through these guys, uh, say who they are, and then I'll, I'll throw my question at you, and you can go as in-depth as you want to about each of these guys. But uh, we'll start on the defensive line, and the first guy is a guy named David Hicks, a 2023 defensive end out of Allen, Texas, number 23 prospect in the country, came to Ohio State without a scholarship offer, and he left with one. So I guess my main question is why. But the other thing that got to me, I was looking at uh, his bio on 247, kid that plays basketball he is a a shot put discus guy to me those things scream footwork 
So did you get a chance mm-hmm. to watch him work out, and how did that sort of athleticism translate to what you saw? So since you saw his bio, you probably read that he's 6'4", 250 pounds. And then he proceeded to tell us that he's about 6'5", 260 pounds. He's not 6'5", 260 pounds. He's 16 years old. Now, he looks like a guy who can get to 6'4", 6'5", 260 pounds. Um, I was also talking to his father, who was there as well, who's David Hicks Sr. Um, David Hicks Jr. goes by DJ. But, yeah, I think when I looked at him, I saw maybe a lot of the things that you maybe liked in Baron Browning coming out of high school in the sense that, man, if you put him in a 3-4 defense and make him that rushing outside linebacker, he'd be awesome. That's just right now, though, at 16 years old, when he's still growing into his body. The get-off was great. He picked up on a lot of the things Larry Johnson was trying to teach guys very quickly and applied it to his game. Um, He was really kind of taken aback by that. And as you hear with a lot of defensive line recruits, they'll say, nobody's teaching things like this at any other camp he'd been to. And he'd been, you know, through the ACC. Um, he was headed, he's at Michigan as we're recording this on a Wednesday. That's where he's headed. I think he's going to Notre Dame as well. That's what his father told me. They're kind of they're moving in their actual real life. So this worked out perfectly for them to be traveling while they're also trying to get settled into some other places here. But he is still living in Texas. The potential is there. It's 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 hard with young defensive linemen when you're talking about five stars because they typically don't look the part when they're 15, 16 years old. So you have to look at the tools. Yes, the footwork was there. The hand-finding ability is there. The ability to pick up on things quickly was there, and the get-off get up, get was there. Now it's a question of can he grow into a situation where Ohio State wants a four down front? Is he going to grow into somebody who projects into a defensive end, or do you see him as more of a will linebacker, or if he just stays in the SEC and goes plays in a 3-4, is he that outside rushing linebacker? Staying on the defensive line, uh, Sadir Mitchell, a 2023 defensive lineman out of Bergen Catholic in New Jersey, number 135 player in the country. His bio on 247 lists him 6'5", 350. So yes. <laughs> how did he carry that weight? Mm-hmm. And then what happened with him injury-wise? And, and how's that, how did that hamper how much you got to actually see him? He, he's 6'5", 350, 100%. He says he's trying to lose some weight. But he, sure. he, he that's, that's a big kid, man. That was – I thought that's a nose. That's a nose. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's, a we, we talked before about guys like, well, which are they going to play? No question yeah. about where Sadir Mitchell's going to play. And he knows it too. Obviously, you'd rather play the three tech because it means you get to rush the passer a little bit more freely. But this kid is a nose tackle. He looks the part. He 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 hyperextended his knee. I think in the first set of drills that they were doing. So we didn't get to see much of him on the field, which kind of he bummed him out, he bummed him out as well because he was hoping to get that because he's not sure when he's going to be able to get back here. He is from New Jersey. He has a good relationship with Javante Jean-Baptiste, and so there is a connection there. But not as much – You get, we didn't get to see as much. But the, from what we did see in that small – little you know a lot of time that before he got injured he's got pretty quick feet for somebody who's 6'5 350 he moves pretty well that's the type of kid that he just walks into the woody and you send him an offer and then you figure out the rest later and I he didn't I don't think he heard the offer that day but I wouldn't be surprised if down the line he's he announced comes out and announces he's received an offer from Ohio State because physically he just looks the part and he clearly has some room to grow from a development standpoint that I think he can get to it's not necessarily true of everybody that size, because sometimes it just means you're fat no. and slow. But the, the, typically, if you're coming to Ohio State and you're they're paying attention to you, you've shown something. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, staying on the defensive line, Mateo Uyagalele from 2023, St. John Bosco in California. This is a name everyone should recognize, DJ's little brother, the guy who's going to be the quarterback at Clemson 
this fall, the starting quarterback, I should say. And then this is not the first time, though, that this family has been around Ohio State football during camp season, right? So is this a guy that Ohio State has to steal from Clemson, or is this a wide-open recruitment at this point? It's wide open. Uh, that family, the Uyunglaye family, understands what this is. And, you know, I, he got asked today, you know, is Clemson, how, what's your relationship with Clemson since your brother's the starting quarterback? Do they feel like they're, you, can they use that? No, they can't use that as a relationship. You're starting over from scratch, especially since not only do they not play the same position, they don't even play the same side of the ball. So you can't even use, if he was a wide receiver, you could be like, hey, come play with your brother again. You guys can be a one-two punch or it's like, hey, be our next starting quarterback because after your brother, no, he's a defensive end and he looks every bit of a defensive end. That's a big family. I've come to that conclusion where Mateo's going to be a five-star right now. He's a four-star guy, but I won't be surprised if he's a five-star by the time this is all said and done. I don't know if they have younger siblings, but if they do, they should make one of them an offensive tackle. And then whoever the runt of the family is should be the corner. So then you have the four most important positions in football and you have a five-star at all, all those positions. That would be a quality parenting job by the Uyunglele family. So shout out to them. But, yes, he looks the part. He got a one-on-one workout with Larry Johnson and looked pretty quality in it. He looked the way that you would expect a five-star guy who's 6'4", 255 at 16 years old to look. And then Larry Johnson was pretty blown away, and Larry's seen some things. So for him to be pretty blown away and to look at a guy and can see the potential and project that out as a smart football mind, that's saying something given the fact that we're talking about a guy who has coached a long line of elite defensive ends, whether you're talking Ohio State or Penn State. I think it's smart if you're the Uyagaleles to not you know, tie yourself too early or maybe even at all to Clemson just because – and it doesn't surprise me at all either because on the one hand – familiarity and kind of feeling at home, like every recruit I feel like talks about that sort of thing. And the more that you've been to a place, the more familiar it feels, the more home it feels. But I also think, uh, and, you, and you also, you develop relationships with the family early on too. So obviously the, 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 the coaching staff at Clemson has a connection with this family. At the same time, I think there's also a lot of players want to create their own identity, right? They don't want to be the guy who's following in the footsteps. And I think it's especially tough here where you're talking about following in the steps of a quarterback. Like if he goes to Clemson and has great success, then all of a sudden it, it sort of raises the bar of what's expected from you fairly or unfairly. Not that this guy isn't probably set up to have a pretty solid career of his own, but I, I people should like remember that too, because I think you'll see that it's going to come up in another conversation. We're going to have a little bit later about another player, but these family connections sometimes uh, can work both ways. Sometimes it's a guy actually wanting to kind of go off and strike his own path and, and build his own name and, and, and get away from that identity of the older sibling, especially when they're not from that region to begin with. I think what helps is he goes to a pretty powerhouse high school where they're used to this, the, the high level green St. John Bosco, which as I've already told our texters, um, is the same high school that Wyatt Davis and court Williams went to. And one of the things that was really cool was, uh, after he was done with his workout with Larry, Larry Johnson, um, I don't. I think it, it wasn't Big Dave, so it wasn't his father, but one of the St. Bon, John Bosco coaches who was with him, who brought a big group of St. John Bosco's guys here. There was a, a lot of school, a 
you know, groupings of schools. Like there were some masculine Washington people here. To, uh, Coach Nate Moore brought down a lot of those guys. And you've seen that in the, uh, obviously the PPI group was here last week. So a lot of big groups from the same, you know, umbrella were here. And he got Wyatt Davis on the phone. And he was like FaceTiming him as Mateo was going through his workout. And then he got a chance to talk with Wyatt. So that was a cool little moment. And he's just like, hey, and you kind of hear over why because it's on speaker. He's like, just make sure you make the right decision and come to Ohio State and whatnot. So doing his, his giving his his good recruiting pitch there. But when you go to schools like that, yes, they're siblings, but there's there's enough resources at schools like that where you don't have to get tied into things like that and go, I'm going to Clemson because of my brother. He can go to Ohio State. He can go to Clemson. He can go to Alabama because I'm pretty sure they're going to offer him Texas wherever he wants. Speaking of St. John Bosco, another player was here from Bosco, Ernest Green, a offensive tackle. So we're going to switch over to the offensive side, but still stay up front. Um, or offensive uh, guard, I should say, right? An inside, mm-hmm. an interior offensive lineman. Um, I love this kid because I, I looked him up. His headshot is essentially like a mushroom cloud or like a stalk of broccoli or <laughs> yeah. something like that. He's got this like like a chiseled face and then just like a a, a big spreading, like expanding hair hair uh cluster on top of but but a, a serious looking guy um not a guy that i would probably want to face on an offensive line or defensive line we've discussed the img pipeline before but since it's the second guy here from bosco and we already talked about core williams and white davis as you pointed out like is there a growing one between ohio state and bosco and how important do you think that is i think yeah, I, I should have probably done uh, this a story i've had this idea in the back of my head for a while some of the most important schools to ryan day the ryan day era of ohio state football St. John Bosco would be on that list. And it's, yes, Court Williams, and yes, Wyatt Davis, and yes, Ernest Green, and Mateo Uyunglele. But it's more than that. That's just a powerhouse program that's consistently going to have top 100, top 55 star recruits at it. And I've had conversations with Coach Jason Negro, the head coach over there at St. John Bosco in the past, back when I was doing the Wyatt Davis No Regret story. And we were actually – as we were talking, because I also just wanted to build that relationship, we were talking about Ryan Day and what it's been like building the relationship there. So that's solid. It, that's not just something that, you know, between Mark Pantone and Ryan Day, they've built solid relationships with the Lake Travises, the St. John Boscos, the modern, modern days. Uh, on down the list, schools, IMG, obviously, as they, they're, once again, under new leadership, this, they're going through another head coach once again. But some of these you know, national powers where you know there's going to be consistently top 50 re- recruits at, those are the schools that are the most important to Ohio State when you're talking about finding non-Ohio elite, elite football players. So, yeah, that is a relationship that you'll continue to see blossom. And the fact that they're bringing multiple guys and they're not just bringing Ernest Smith and Mateo Uyungleye here and they're bringing a whole crop of guys, that's, that said something. That means that there's a relationship that's already, be, already been formed and we should expect more guys from that high school to make their way east to Ohio State. So St. John Bosco is on the West Coast. Don Bosco is on the East Coast. It's the same guy, yes. by the way. I I didn't. I, was, really? I actually had to search for it. Yeah, he was known by like both names um, ah. through his uh, whichever order he was from. But uh, Chase Basanis from Don Bosco in New Jersey, number thirty-nine ranked player in the twenty twenty-three class, and then a kid named Joshua Miller out of Virginia who does not have a composite ranking yet. And there were a couple guys that you put out today that don't have their composite ranking yet. So it's both guys mm-hmm. who are like already high on Ohio State's radar and priority list and that are trying to either get their offer or solidify that offer and then build that relationship. Or it's guys who are kind of trying to get their name out there a little bit more than it has been so far. But those two guys in particular, I'm just asking, 
you've talked before about like the balance that Ohio State tries to strike in its offensive line recruiting from mm-hmm. one year to the next. How do guys like this fit into that? So I, I'm glad that you've set it up like this, where we're going from Ernest Green to Chase to Joshua, because I'm just going to group all those three together. Because you saw three, what we saw that the today was three different levels of recruiting. You saw a guy like Ernest, who's clearly on, who's clearly a high priority target, right at this point. So he's not attending the day camp. He's there on an unofficial visit. He's taking a tour. He's probably going to post photos of himself in the jersey. So he's not working out and with the group at all. And because he's a 2022 guy, we're not even technically allowed to take video of him going through his workouts and stuff like that. That's part of the rules with these one-on-ones is if it's a 2023 guy, we're fair game to shoot videos, take photos, whatever we want. With 2022 guys, we can't do any of that. So we didn't see her in the screen. We, we saw him walking around, but we didn't see him doing anything active. And then that moves us on the chase where he is, you can take the videos, you can do whatever you want with that guy. So you saw him working with Coach Studd in the afternoon. Uh, looks the part, he's top 40 recruit, number 39 player, 6'5", 290. I don't know if he's 6'9", 290 looking at him. I mean, he might be, he might just wear it well. Because, I mean, if, if that's the case, then, you know, going back to a guy like, you know, Sadir S- S- Mitchell, he, I mean, he just looked, he looked like he was 350 pounds. Chase didn't necessarily look like that, but he had great feet and great hands. And, and Greg Sadrawa seemed pretty impressed with what he had to bring to the table today. And then you get a guy like Joshua Miller, who's just among the group. He's just the guy that says, hey, come on to the camp, work out with the group, and let's see what happens. And, you know, he's 6'5", 315. He looked more about 6'4", 300. So in that range a little bit, he looks like another one of those guys where with most colleges you go to, if he walks on campus, you just offer him based off what he looks. I think that's a guy where if he gets the Ohio State offer, the Alabama offer is also somewhere around the corner. He has plans to get to Alabama as well. But maybe just a little bit of a late boomer when we're talking about the technical side of, you know, pass protection and run blocking. He has the physical tools, but there's still some development that has to be gone there, which is probably why he didn't get an offer today. But I won't be surprised if he gets an offer sometime in the next couple months after they review the film. We're going to pick up on a topic you just mentioned, uh, the kind of the unofficial visit nature of of some of these and why it's important, especially when it comes to the people who are coming there along with the prospect in question. Mm -hmm. When we come back, you're listening to Buckeye Talk. We are back on Buckeye Football Future. Stephen Means giving us a rundown of the guys that he saw this week at Ohio State's day camps. I'm giving him 10 questions about 10 prospects. We've run through about four or five of them so far. I want to interrupt that briefly because in a couple of the things that you texted out over the past couple of days, 614-350-3315 if you haven't signed up, you mentioned families. It was it, people that you were getting a chance to talk to the families because they're there watching what's going on. Mom and dad, sometimes both together there watching what's going on. It's obviously a chance for some of these families to kind of take some many vacations if the players are not that local and they get to come see Columbus. As you said, there's a level of player who really are just here for camp. There's a level of player who are here for what is more of an unofficial visit. So kind of take us into from what you've been able to, to gather, like how does that work? Who's showing these families around and why are those sorts of opportunities so crucial in a recruitment beyond just getting a workout with Larry Johnson or getting a workout with whoever else is, is working you out at Ohio state for these, for the linemen or obviously other positions would be, would be somebody other than Larry Johnson, obviously usually, but why is it important to be kind of that, that they're, they're putting real resources into developing relationships beyond just 
the football that's happening with the players. I, th- I think the simple way to put it to start is the one-on-one workout is for the coaches, while everything else that happens on an unofficial visit is for the player and the family. Because obviously the coaches want to see if the, what they watched on film translates in person. They want to see they want to see you in person to see if you're still physically developing and growing in the way that maybe they projected you out to be. You know, like a guy like Sonny Styles is. I mean, they had him. He's worked with a lot of groups the last couple of the times he's been here. The first time he came for a day camp, he was with Kerry Combs because they wanted to see you know what he could do as a defensive back. And then today he's working out with Larry John. I mean, with Al Washington because they want to see some linebacker stuff. But then they also put him without with Larry Johnson at the end back inside because they wanted to show him some pass rushing stuff. Because as I've said before, that guy's got bullet written all over him, which basically is in this defensive scheme. There Isaiah Simmons where. Yes, you're you're covering tight ends. You're kind of a hybrid linebacker safety, but also when you got a guy like that, like, like Sonny Styles, who's like six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pounds, something like that, he can be an edge rusher for you if you want him to be. And so he is. Isaiah Simmons is pro, is the uh, is the the apex of that. He's under that umbrella. So all, but all that's for the coaches. They're trying to project you out on the roster and see where you fit. Seeing the, the campus, seeing the Woody, seeing the Ohio Stadium, getting in the jerseys, getting around the coaching staff, the, the recruiting support staff, which is the people who are typically showing you around, people who are under Mark Pantone's watch, you know, seeing the city, all this other stuff that makes you feel comfortable sending your son somewhere, where if you're not from Ohio, if you're from the other side of the country, you feel comfortable sending your son here. That's all for the for the parents. It's the feel of, okay, I just shook Ryan Day's hand. I got a chance to sit down and sit with him face to face. How do I feel about this guy? I just sat down with my position coach. Do I trust this human being, not only with my development as a football player, but as a human being in general. And so all of that goes into an unofficial visit. If you are there, if you are at a camp and you're invited, more times than not, unless they really want you to just work out, work out, you're probably not going through the camp like a normal camper would be, where you're going through different drills and you're getting to lunch and all that fun stuff. You're walking around a lot. You've got a lanyard on that identifies you as an unofficial visitor. Your family is up here. And you're just – you're on a different timetable than everybody else. And if they, even if they do ask, ask you to just participate in the camp, you're probably in the group that never leaves the side of the assistant coach. So like Sonny Styles, they did participate in the camp. Everywhere he went, Al Washington followed. You've got a guy like, you know, like Chase. If he would have participated in the camp, everywhere he went, Greg Sudra would follow. Funniest thing of the morning was the morning was a little slow when it comes to talent and you're talking about some of these top recruits. And so you didn't see any of the assistant coaches out there. They were all in the woody, you know, probably recruiting some of the other people. And then you all saw them all out and about in the afternoon. So really, but really the main difference between a guy who's maybe invited to a camp and who's not invited to the camp is when you're actually on an unofficial visit, you don't leave the side of somebody who's from Ohio State, whether it's a, some, a support staff member from the recruiting you know, office or it's an assistant coach and you're just working with him the entire time. So let's talk about Sonny Styles. I've been thinking about him a lot today. I feel like – a name like Sonny Styles, are you just like the coolest guy in the room at all times? Like, I feel like a name like Sonny Styles just like mm-hmm. flushes like all anxiety out of you your whole life. Like Sonny Styles. <laughs> to be it's fair, like, his real name is Alex, but yeah, going by Sonny, and he's actually a pretty cool kid. He's just mean on a football field. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, did you get a chance to talk to him this week? And what did he? What What do you? F- what impression are you getting about this sort of Ohio State-Notre Dame balance? He has a, a brother 
who plays at Notre mm-hmm. Dame. I don't know how how involved Ohio State was in that recruitment at the time. And those sort of things can or cannot have repercussions down the line. So I guess just what are your thoughts on where things sit with Ohio State and Notre Dame in the recruitment of Sonny Styles? Yeah, Sonny Styles, his family ties are all over the place. His father played at Ohio State. So right. that would be the first thing you would think about is, man, you're going to follow your father. And then his brother, Lorenzo Styles was the number 114 player and the number 20 wide receiver in the 2021 class where if this were – he is – Lorenzo was a prime example of if this were Jim Trestle's Ohio State, he'd be a Buckeye. He's a top 50 – top 150 Ohio uh, – uh, top 150 player who's from Ohio. He's one of the five best players in Ohio, and yet he's going to Notre Dame, which shows you where the wide receiver recruiting is gone, where if you're not taking that guy, it's because you're taking, you know – the Emeka Bukas, the Marvin Harrisons, and the Jaden Ballards of the world, and the Julian Flemings of the world. As a matter of fact, Ohio State in 2021 got five of the top six players within their state. He is the only one who is not coming to Ohio State. All of that is great, and I understand that he got the crystal ball for Notre Dame. None of that matters. He's, that's not going to be the reason he goes to Notre Dame. He was on Notre Dame's campus for an unofficial visit, but also because his brother goes there. And they were you know, taking his brother back to school. And he's going to spend some time with Notre Dame's campus over the next, next year, year or so. And you want to know why? Because his brother goes to Notre Dame and he's going to go watch his brother play football. Yes, he's being recruited there. Marcus Freeman is a quality recruiter as a defensive coordinator over there. And he's built a solid relationship with him. But I don't think people should be worried that Notre Dame is in the lead in this recruiting battle. Ohio State is still in the lead in the recruiting battle. And I'm going to tell you why. As we, I was already talking about and how Sonny Styles, the versatility he brings as a bullet and all those things, that family understands that. When your dad's a former football player, he understands football talk and he understands where the game is going. They like that role for Sonny Styles. They want the Isaiah Simmons comparison. They want the bullet talk and the versatility to play in the box and outside the box and cover tight ends and do all of those things. Notre Dame's not really using him like that. At least that's not the way they've been talking to him about it. They've more been talking about him as an inside linebacker, which is fine if this were 2009. He'd probably fit better in there. But no one, when you know your sons, you know where their best fit is. They knew Lorenzo Styles' best opportunity to get on the field was probably Notre Dame or Ohio State, given what that room is. But they also know, just based on how they've been talking to some of these coaches, Right now, what Ohio State is bringing to the table and what they want, what they see in him as a football player sounds better than what they want for Notre Dame. And that's not saying he's going to commit to Ohio State tomorrow. What it is saying is they like that better right now, along with the fact that they understand what, what, what the idea is if that kid were to commit. Let's, say, let's just say Sonny Styles, we woke up tomorrow, Sonny Styles committed to Ohio State. It would have the same impact that when Jack Sawyer committed to Ohio State in 2021 or when cj hicks committed for the 2022 class they basically they these are the words that sunny style said to me he would be a beacon for other top players in the country because when you get a guy who is a five-star recruit in your backyard that early then you put him to work and make him a your lead peer recruiter for the for the for high school football players and it typically has panned out pretty well for ohio state at least i mean they had the number two class in 2021 and they have the top class right now in 2022 that's what they envision for sunny styles right now he knows that but he's also not going to rush his process because he still wants to go through this process of going through his visits and because we're just coming off a 15-month dead period so while he understands what his position would be in this class if he were to 
pull the trigger today, he's still going to go through this process, even if the understanding right now is maybe Ohio State's in the lead. And they just finished up their Midwest tour, and now they're about to spend the second half of June going south, going to places like Alabama and LSU and seeing what those guys have to offer. Sticking on the defensive side of the ball, this is a guy that got a lot of attention this week, Troy Bowles from Tampa, uh, a, the 109 player in the 2023 recruiting class. He is a linebacker. In his high school career, he's been playing outside linebacker. Ohio State mm-hmm. seems to think of him as an inside linebacker. And that's obviously been a topic of conversation. Every time we talk about a guy now, it's, well, where do they see him fitting? Because it, it, there was a time when Ohio State's linebacker positions melted together a little bit more easily than they do now and then now it's or maybe it's the opposite maybe now it's either you're an inside linebacker or you're something completely different Mm -hmm. altogether you're not really even a linebacker so uh is that maybe the reason why they seem as an inside linebacker now because outside linebacker at Ohio State is going to mean something very different I think it's that and also they think they probably think he's going to grow a little bit more right now he's 6'1 205 which it's probably not the size you want for an inside linebacker whether it's Will or Mike for what it's worth, he is the son of Todd Bowles, you know, the, the um, NFL assistant coach. So just for the sake of name, another, you know, coach's kid who kind of gets how this goes. But they probably think he's going to, you know, physically grow a lot more over the next two years since he has a 2023 kid. He's only 16 years old. And he's pretty built already, even at, you know, that size. And so, yeah, they see him more as an inside backer, as maybe a Will or a Mike. It doesn't really matter because those two are interchangeable for what Ohio State wants to do in their defensive scheme. But the reason why is just they see – they feel like he's got some instincts of a Will linebacker and also there's physically some mature, maturation that's still to take place. I'm going back now to look at Pete Werner's recruiting profile on 247. He was listed at – this listed him at at 220, um, at 6'3", 220 by the time he he was a senior. So that that isn't that much growth you could see between now and then for Troy Bowles. You could see him putting on 15 pounds, and now you start to be in a different conversation. And also one thing, Pete Warner was playing safety in high school. Right. So, I mean, some of that is probably the high school he went to. He was just the best athlete. But, right – Let's see what, you know, Pete Warner was at 16 years old. If he's 6'3", 220 as a senior, he was probably closer to 6'1", 205. And then as he started to put that – I mean, that's only 15 pounds we're talking about. It's not like yeah. – which is not which is easier said than that, I understand. But when you're 16, anything is possible with your weight. So, if that's the – yeah, when you're, when you're 35, hey, not so much. No, no, no. When you're, when you're 42, you can gain 15 pounds in the blink of an eye. I can, I can prove it if you want me to. In fact, I probably will in July – when I'm uh, laying on a beach in Hawaii and then uh, having a, a pig out in uh, Indianapolis for my makeup wedding. So uh, one more guy on defense I want to talk about before we take another next break, uh, AJ Harris, another guy who was getting a lot of attention, especially from Kerry Combs uh, at the camp, a 2023 cornerback out of Phoenix city, Alabama. That's an interesting word to throw into any of these conversations. Number 23 player in the country, you seem convinced after talking to his family that there's no chance he ends up at Alabama. Why not? Yeah, he's not going to Alabama. I think – how can I say this on a podcast? Every recruitment is different and every family is different. And I think a, a lot – sometimes with recruitments, you can, there is a, a, a default way to go about recruiting. And when you're Nick Sabins of the world, when you're – Urban Myers of the world, these legends, most of the time it works. Then every so often, it's not going to work. It's, it's, it's definitely, I think it feels like Nick Saban and, and Urban Myers, I'm, I'm grouping those two because they're both legends in their own right, who are dominant guys in the recruiting trail. 
it, it feels like in talking to a lot of parents over the last couple of weeks here, both of current Buckeyes, former Buckeyes, and like potentially future Buckeyes, that Urban has to be your cup of tea. Nick Saban seems to be the same way, where it's if it, 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 you're either going to love it or you aren't. And with A.J. Harris, it, I understand he's from, he lives in Phoenix City, Alabama, which is literally just on the border of Alabama. So it's not like it's deep in Alabama territory. He's not an Alabama kid. He's a California kid who also whose father was in the military. He was a, he's a retired military soldier, and so they moved around a lot. So he's just in Alabama by my circumstance right now. But they love the family feel. That's that's something they're attracted to. And for them, it's yeah, Ohio State and, and Georgia have displayed that better than anybody else right now, which is why you know you see the early crystal ball for Georgia, even if it is kind of cooling right now. I. I I think this is a Georgia-Ohio State battle right now. We'll see if Auburn, they're headed to Auburn next. I think that's their last visit from what they told me. Let's see if they can, you know, maybe swing some momentum in their favor. But Ohio State and Georgia are clearly 1A and 1B. And then Clemson, who also consistently gives off that family feel, is kind of the dark horse in number three here. But this is a guy right here where watching him, I saw Jeff Okuda. Like the, the he's long, he's lanky, he's quick, great hit, all of it. It, it. And he was picking up on stuff from Kerry Combs very quickly, asking all the right questions. He was attentive with it. And his mother was telling me how he's like that with everything. He always wants to know why, which is, you know, a coach's favorite thing to hear when a player wants to know why he's doing something, because that means he's really piqued his interest and he's interested in what he has to say. I just see Jeff Okuda with braids, basically, when I look at A.J. Harris. And of the of the national guys that they've brought in here from this 2023 class so far, that's guys like him and Richard Young, I think I've really fallen in love with Ohio State, and I wouldn't be shocked if they ended up committed. One more break. We're going to run through some offensive skill position guys who made a splash this week at day camps. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. All right, wrapping things up today on BFF, uh, some running backs that you took notice of this week. Uh, Ruben Owens, a 2023 running back out of El Campo, Texas, number 24 player in the country. He is a Texas commit. So he, not only is he from Texas, he has already committed to Texas. This isn't um, completely unprecedented, obviously, that you got players who are already committed going to camps. That's going to happen occasionally with Ohio State players going to camps elsewhere, going to do visits elsewhere. But how much is Ohio State actually still working this recruitment? They haven't offered yet, so we'll see if that, that ends up getting thrown out there. I expect so. He's the number two running back in the country. At you know, Even if it doesn't go anywhere else, I'm, I would expect an offer. The, the, the commitment to Texas is interesting because he's from Texas, but I don't know how much 2023 commits mean right now. To be honest, and I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's 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 a long way away. But even if it wasn't, there's always early commits in a class where you know they're pretty certified. It's the we're a long way away, and these kids haven't been. A lot of these kids haven't been able to see schools yet. There's a lot of the processes they missed that would have led up to why you would understand why they took a kid 18 months before signing day who isn't a quarterback. I think Ruben Owens falls under that. I think there's a lot of kids out there who are. You're, you're one of the two extremes. You're either a kid who finally got on campus, but then you fell in love with the first shiny thing you saw, or you understood that this thing is going to be shiny. Let me not fall in love with it. Let me take it for what it is with a grain of salt and make sure I do my due diligence before I come to any conclusions. He jumped on that Texas commitment as soon as they offered him because he's a Texas kid. 
I'm not saying he's going to decommit from Texas. I'm not saying he's going to stay in Texas's class. All I'm going to say is from what he has told me, that recruitment is far from over. And it's very wide open, even if right now he has a spot in Texas's recruiting class. Before we move on to the next running back, I need to hit you guys up for a quick favor. You've heard us talk about this a couple times this week on the podcast. We're doing a new survey to kind of help us make this podcast as good as it can be for those of you who come back every single day. We appreciate it so much. You guys are a big connection to what we do uh, every day, not just with our jobs, but kind of with our lives. You know, we start to, we hear from you guys and gals um, as we're just going about our lives here in, in Columbus and uh, throughout the state. And it's a lot of fun. So we really appreciate it. If, if you listen every day, if you just listen every once in a while, you would still be a, a valuable help. If you can go to cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk Survey, that's all one word, just spell it out, Buckeye Talk Survey, and answer a few questions there. It, we, we would really appreciate it. We're just doing it for this week. You're not going to hear us talk about this in perpetuity, but if you can hit it this week it, it give us a little bit of information on how you listen to the podcast, uh, when you listen to the podcast, how often you listen to the podcast, those sorts of things would help us out a lot. And we really appreciate you letting us interrupt the podcast a couple times this week to remind you about it. So. Moving back to BFFs, uh, J.R. Smith, or I'm sorry, J.T. Smith Jr., uh, an athlete out, yeah, not J.R. Smith, <laughs> J.T. Smith Jr., a 2023 athlete slash running back. That's that's kind of my question, actually. Um, out of Cornelius High School, Huff High School, that is Evan Pryor's high school. So Ohio State has a connection there with that coaching staff, with that family, with the, some people he knows, obviously. Is he an offense or defensive prospect? And then just how real is he as a prospect for Ohio State, just considering he's a guy who, like we were saying before, some of these 2023 guys are already really highly ranked, and some of them, like Smith, are still uh, don't have a composite ranking or still trying to earn their way onto kind of that national profile. Yeah, he's, he's a running back, and he's, as I texted with our texters, you know, when we talk about Evan Pryor and Travion Henderson, one maybe being a more in-between-the-tackles running back and another guy maybe being more of a passing threat right now needing to develop physically for that other side. J.T. Smith is probably more if, – if I had watched the William Amos Hugh high school football game, Smith was probably their in-between-the-tackles running back while Evan Pryor was more of a threat in every other aspect of the world. The Curtis Samuel of their offense for all intents and purposes talking. Pretty thick, pretty big guy. Uh, for 5'11", 190, he wears that pretty big, big, and he was working extensively with Tony Walford on was it, Tuesday when he was here, all while you know, his family was here as well, but also while Evan Pryor was watching along. He wasn't necessarily helping out. He was just there to support his friend. So no offer. Um, I, I, the running back offers are, are a little skim right now, and a lot of that is because we're trying to see what happens with Trayon Webb and Richard Young, but that's a guy to watch where uh, you can't just offer two running backs, right? You gotta, I mean, there's going to be other targets who come available eventually. JT Smith is a guy who to keep on your radar, especially because there's already a relationship with that school, whether because of a guy like Evan Pryor or because of a guy like Curtis Neal, the, who was in the 2022 class, a defensive lineman, where he's he's got a commitment date coming up on June 27th, and it's going to be down to Wisconsin, Ohio State. So a solid relationship there. Look pretty quality, and a guy who will continue to build a relationship with offer it for the next couple of years here. I also want to remind people to go back and listen to Tuesday's Buckeye Talk if you missed it, because that is the day that we were in-depth on JT Tumalau. He is here this weekend for an official visit, so we're not talking about him again today because we went really deep on Tumalau on Tuesday. So go back and listen to that if you if you uh, 
if you missed it and want some insight into what's going on with him and, and what's going on with that recruitment. But Ohio State will be the third of the five visits he's taking, and uh, they'll be kind of turning the corner into the home stretch of that, hopefully taking us toward a resolution of that here in the next few weeks. Another major recruit I want to talk about, though, in the 2022 class, Walter Nolan out of Cordova, Tennessee. He's back on campus this week. So how notable is it that he was here at all? Is there any chance that Ohio State can get back into this recruitment? Does it need to get back into this recruitment? Am I allowed to just be like, I mean, he was here, and that's just like what the news is, is he popped up on campus. That's, I'll say more, but that's like in summary what it was. It's, I've, let's just get into it. He, he came out on Twitter and basically said he was shutting down his recruitment after that June 4th official visit to Florida, which by that logic, you would think that crystal ball for Florida would start popping up and a commitment day would come out and he'd be a Gator. Obviously, that didn't happen. His father has come out to multiple people, including me, that it, it, it's not quite a shutdown of his recruitment. And, like, he's not committing in the next couple of weeks here. It, what it is, that's the sign of a kid who doesn't really like the recruiting process. And I, I've asked him that before. I've asked every recruit, basically. I always ask him, hey, what do they like about the recruiting process and what do they hate about it? I think it can get overwhelming when you've constantly got coaches calling your phone and you're not really in the mood to talk about recruiting right now. You just want to be a kid. And sometimes it can get overwhelming and you get kind of sick of it and you just go, I don't want to do this anymore, which leads to tweets like, I'm shutting down my recruitment, even if you aren't doing that. So nothing is shut down yet. From an Ohio State's perspective, that's probably he's not coming to Ohio. I'm not saying he's not coming, but he's not coming to Ohio State. They were kind of cut off. When he cut down that top 10 again, like unofficially Ohio State was left off of that list. Why was he at Ohio State then if he's not really in – if they're not really in the race, well, because Michigan is in the race and they're getting a visit on June 18th, which is why probably their entire coaching staff was in a panic mode when they saw that tweet come out before he got a chance to get on their campus. So on his way to Michigan this weekend, he made a stop in Ohio at Ohio State because he's got to pass it anyway to get here since he lives in Tennessee, which is more of a testament to Larry Johnson. We talked about a lot on Tuesday how important Larry Johnson is and how he is the ultimate closer and all these things and why we think that JT Tumalau might end up a Buckeye is because of Larry Johnson. Well, even when you're not in the race for the number three player and the top defensive lineman in the 2022 class, there's enough respect there and admiration for what Larry Johnson is and there's enough of a relationship there that you still stop in Ohio State anyway and you hear what they have to say because that guy developed Chase Young, Nick Bosa, and Joey Bosa. So you, at bare minimum, let him say his piece even if you're still going to say no. So that's the extent of that. I don't – he's probably not going to be a Buckeye. I don't expect Ohio State to get back into the race, which is fine because there's still plenty of other high-level defensive tackles and interior defensive linemen like guys like Christian Miller that Ohio State is still very much in the race for and could end up landing. So, no, you don't – the idea of landing the number one – the top offensive player and the top defensive player in the same class, that's not a list that Ohio State's going to join in this cycle that includes the Texas, Clemson, and Ole Miss, but they're still going to get quality out of that position. Ohio State has no defensive tackle commitments yet for the 2022 class. How big of a priority is that for that class, whether it's Walter Nolan or whether it's someone else? It's still pretty big, right? I mean, if you're going to potentially add three got three edge rushers in 2021 where two of them are top five players and another one adds some depth as a top 200 player, the only logical focus is to go interior, especially when you know you're losing Haskell Garrett 
Jerron Vincent might come back for another year, but the depth is not there the way you think it should be there right now outside of maybe, you know, Ty Hamilton, Jacoby Cohen, and Darion Henry Young, guys who aren't proven. So, yeah, 2022 is going to be a big year for defensive tackle where you get, might see two, three, four guys taken from the interior, especially if they, they don't like their options at 2022. And as edge rushers, you might just see a defensive tackle-type class in 2022, which is kind of similar to what you saw in 2018 when they t- took multiple defensive tackles. So in true Big Ten fashion, that actually ended up being 11 questions, 11 prospects, not just 10 questions, 10 prospects. But old school Big Ten, like 90s Big Ten that I grew up on, I had to go to 11 to to fully round it out. But um, what else do you have coming up for our our readers at cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk slash OSU slash whatever slash else you want to use? We have a couple of them. But what else do you have coming on, on the recruiting front? A lot's going to be coming. A lot. This was a big week for Ohio State for the 2023 recruiting class when you're talking about the, the five-star guys. Obviously, they've, they, it's been a quality couple of camps here, but this was probably the biggest one when you're talking about high-profile guys in it. Obviously, I've talked to some of the, the, the commits in the 2021 class, guys like Keon Graves about his commitment and how he used these two visits to literally shut down his recruitment. The earlier visit that we saw that led to his commitment and then the official visit on June 4th. I've talked with Xavier Numpa about his his process and how he's dealing with the idea of from the public perception that he's going to be a Buckeye, but also trying to make sure that he does his due diligence and doesn't just jump at it because it's the first thing they saw. I'm working on these five-star stories with James Singletary, Neil, all, all ever elusive Quinn Ewer. So look out for stuff like that. A lot of big recruiting stuff still to come on cleveland.com. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of BFF. Come back to the website every morning. We've got recruiting intel at least Monday through Friday and sometimes on the weekends. And uh, get those texts, 614-350-3315. Steven is always putting out intel. He's often answering questions that he gets directly from our subscribers on what's going on with Ohio State football recruiting. With that, I'm Nathan Baird for Stephen Means. That was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.